0: Women in White Coats is here to uplift women doctors just like you. Empowering you in your personal and professional life. I'm Dr. Amber Robbins. And I'm Dr. Archana Shrestha. We are doctors, best-selling authors, and the co-founders of Women in White Coats.
1: Now, are you ready for a culture shift where women empower women?
0: Join us to get a glimpse of what life is like as a woman doc.
1: And guess what? You'll discover that you're not alone.
0: We're here to give you positivity and keys to balancing your life. This is the Women in White Coats podcast.
2: Welcome to the Women in White Coats podcast. I'm Dr. Julie Lindauer, and I'm a co-author of the Chronicles of Women in White Coats book series. Dr. Vo is going to be introduced now. She is a board-certified OBGYN and physician life coach. She's a wife and mother to three awesome kids and also a U.S. Air Force veteran. She's currently taking a break from clinical medicine and working as a physician advisor in the field of utilization management, while also spending time coaching other amazing physicians. Today, we will be discussing her chapter in the latest edition of the Chronicles of Women in White Coats called I See You. Welcome to the show, Dr. Vo.
1: Thanks for having me on, Dr. Landar. You're very Welcome. So
2: we're just going to jump right in here. Let's do it. Yeah. Can you tell me what inspired you to become part of this book project?
1: Yes. Well, I've always believed in the power of storytelling. I've always loved listening to my dad telling stories as a kid. I've always loved reading books, listening to TED Talks. And I mean, I learned so much from the, the act of reading and listening to other people's stories. And I've always felt like I had my own story to share. Um, you know, to have it become part of that shared knowledge, that shared universal um human knowledge. But I've never, I've always told myself that I never had the time to sit down and write it. But I think in actuality, I just never had the courage to do it. I never had the courage to really be vulnerable. So um, when I saw the email advertising this uh, this group, and it made me think. And then I read a quote from Mark Nepo, who's one of my favorite authors. And he said, um, what we fear most private mysteriously belongs to everyone. That is once shared, the things we hold dear release a power that is healing. So it's just that power of sharing stories that it really, I mean, it heals the world Um, because I've been a recipient of that healing. So I believe that we all have so many stories to share. So after I made my decision to become a part of the project, um, after I sat down, processed my thoughts and my feelings and wrote my story out on paper, it just felt so therapeutic. It was just this really powerful um, release of decades of emotion that I feel like was just trying to free itself from me. Um, So mainly it was for that nudge that I needed, but um, for accountability, because without this, like that pressure from being a part of the group, I don't know when I would have gotten around to writing any part of my story. (laughs) Great. I really appreciate
2: that. So, what is the thing you wish you knew before you were first starting out in medicine?
1: Oh, everything. <laughs> uh-huh. So many things. Uh, and I thought about this. And I think one of the biggest things that I wish I knew sooner, and this is, doesn't just apply to practicing medicine, but even before the process of applying to medical school, medical school is what we call in the coaching world the arrival fallacy. And what the arrival fallacy is, it's the illusion that once we make it, quote unquote, and once we attain our goal or reach our destination, then we'll reach everlasting happiness. And obviously it's a fallacy because we know that's not true, but You know, when you're in college, all you want to do is get into medical school because then we'll be happy. And once you get into medical school, it's, you know, a matter of, well, I got to choose my specialty. And then once I do that and get into residency, then I can be happy. And of course, once you're in residency, you are working long hours. You've learned so much and, you know, you build lots of great friendships and relationships, but it's exhausting. I mean, physically, mentally, emotionally, everything is just exhausting. So I remember just thinking, once I finish residency and become an attending, then I'll be happy. And once you're in attending, there's always the next thing, right? Once you pass your written boards, once you pass your oral boards, once you get pregnant, if you know people want babies and once you buy your first house or get into your first practice, it's always something. It's like happiness is always outside of us somewhere. So the main thing I would say is just learning that in medicine as in life, really, it's just a matter of choosing happiness, because I don't believe that life is all about happiness either. It's, it's really the 50, 50 of life, right? You don't always have to be happy, but if you choose to be happy, if you want um, joy, you can feel that now you don't have to wait until you're done with training until you're out of residency until you, you know, get somewhere else in your career to be happy. That's incredibly insightful. Thank you.
0: hello my sister doc are you feeling overworked overwhelmed and exhausted if so i want you to know that you are not alone and i also want you to know that there is a way out of it check out our three steps to move from overwhelmed and exhausted to confident and balanced as a woman doctor training it's a free training for you created specifically for women doctors who are just feeling so incredibly overwhelmed right now. Here's what you'll learn. The four mistakes most women doctors make when trying to prevent burnout, the three steps that actually work to move you out of overwhelm and exhaustion, the one belief that could shift everything for you, and a proven process for helping you feel confident and balanced into burning bright instead of burning out. And as a special gift, you'll receive our wellness and empowerment workbook just for registering for the training. To register, go to womeninwhitecoats.com forward slash three steps training. And that is the number three steps training. Can't wait to see you there.
2: So what are some of the obstacles? that you faced along your journey, you mentioned that, that drive that you had to achieve and um, how did that serve or not serve you along your journey? And how did you overcome some of those obstacles?
1: Yeah. Well, it gets down to your definition of an obstacle. Cause now when I look back on life, you know, in my heading into midlife now, actually, <laughs> and, and, All those things that I thought were obstacles were just things that had to happen. I mean, they just become a part of my life. That's what shaped me into who I am, right? But if you look back at the Google definition, I looked up the Google definition of obstacles. Like, I love etymology now, just learning where things come from and what one actually means. So Google says an obstacle is a thing that blocks one's way or prevents or hinders one's progress. And so if I look at it from that definition, I mean, the main thing I wanted in medicine was just to you know, be a good doctor and have a life and have some peace, but a challenge of being a woman in medicine too. And especially as an OBGYN was that for me, once I started out in practice, I didn't have my kids yet and I was trying to get pregnant and it was just fertility issues. Of course, initially I have PCOS as well. And so it just took time to get pregnant. And of course me being impatient, right. Cause everyone else around me, all my patients are pregnant, <laughs> um, <laughs> And just once you get get away from that, right? (laughs) you can't, but once I was pregnant, it's just that first trimester, how, I don't know if you remember how exhausting, like physically exhausting it is that on top of, you know, working 24, 30 plus hour shifts, because that doesn't change right in our world, at least you still work how you're supposed to work. And for me, when patients would come with complaints, I mean, you know, you tell them, Hey, you got to rest. You need to you know, ask for help. But the thing is, I'm giving them this advice, and I'm not able to embrace that advice myself, um, especially when you're pregnant and sick. And that was hard—just not being able to reconcile the two. You know, other obstacles being a woman. Medicine was that again. When I did get pregnant, my first two babies were preemies. Um, my first one was a 35 weeker which you know, not too bad. But there were preemie complications. My second one was a 33 weeker so even earlier. And it's tough when you have these complicated deliveries, the babies have a long NICU course, which you know all about, right? And then Mm -hmm. I was in the military back then when I had my, um, all my kids actually. And I mean, granted we had maternity leave, but it was six weeks. And so basically by the time they were practically home, my maternity leave was almost over. Right. So it's just getting through that physical, the emotional recovery of, you know, bringing home a preemie baby too. I mean, that was, that was a challenge. So with me for that, I totally believe in better maternity laws for everyone, leave, <laughs> um, family, completely. Leave. Yeah. Although the military did with my third, I was able to get 12 weeks and it helped so much more. It really does, but it's tough, especially if you're in private practice for, um, a lot of places you, there's no paid maternity leave for physicians yes. mm-hmm. at all. If you want to take some time, it's your vacation or it's just unpaid time, basically. And, mm-hmm. um, I feel like it might, it, it lessens the bond, especially when you have difficult, um, pregnancies or difficult recoveries. And like you said, I think it takes
2: away from some of that spontaneous joy mm-hmm. of being with your baby when all of that is delayed when they're still in the hospital and still needing more support oh, than you can give them at home. Absolutely. And I'm sure and then, guilt is uh-huh. a part of
1: that too. Oh yeah. yeah. But it's just that innate connection. You just want to be with your baby. I mean, mm-hmm. physically it's a strive to, I mean, because you right. have to breastfeed your baby too. That's the thing. I mean, right. you don't have to, technically I chose to, um, but it's just that physical connection that kind of just, mm-hmm. you know, you're unable to have that when you do go back to work and granted again, like I um, was fortunate. I had a job or I had a job to go back to, but it is, I think it does make it harder. Um, and then you throw in postpartum depression and everything in there too. It just, uh, just makes it a more um, tedious process to recover from. And then also for women, and now I'm giving you all the obstacles.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, I'm waiting for how you overcame them.
1: <laughs> well, I'm sure you're getting to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, going through a miscarriage, right? This happens very frequently, 20 to 25% of women, basically, you know, every pregnancy that it, it's a high rate, actually, that does happen. So when it happened to me, I feel like I took it well. I mean, it's painful. It always is. But what made it even harder was that a couple of days after I had my miscarriage, and this was when I was still in the military as well. I um, was mandated to undergo urine drug testing because they always kind of, you know, randomly do that. And I remember I was still physically cramping in pain um, and still bleeding, like, you know, clots and everything. As an began, we talk about clots a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and here I am having to go pee in front of someone because someone has to watch you pee to submit a yeah. urine drug test. And- Sounds very degrading. In a way, yeah. But it's just that, that recovery where like, I don't even have the- sp- space, the physical space Mm. to allow myself to physically or mentally or emotionally heal. Right. To heal. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just being able to have that space to care for yourself as a woman physician is what's so important. Right. So, and I didn't learn this till later on, but it's just being able to um, set boundaries early on in your career to decide what Mm. is it that I want out of my career? When can I say no? And how do we get comfortable with saying no? Mm-hmm. So like with that drug test, actually, technically I was mandated to do it. And I remember that afternoon I had it. I walked up to my commander's office and I scared the heck out of her secretary. Cause I was like, I just started crying and I couldn't stop. And so she like dragged me into my commander's office. And then I explained it. I'm like, I just can't do it right now. And it was okay. <laughs> they understood. Mm-hmm. Um, Wow. But I think it's just giving yourself permission to, to heal and whatever sense totally. it is that you need. Mm-hmm. And when did you feel that you first realized that? Honestly, not until probably after 10, 11 years into practice.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I wish I, I knew it. sooner. That's... Those were things I wish I knew sooner.
2: Right. And I don't think that's
1: unusual. Actually, No, no um, it's not. Experiences. Yeah right? Because we're so used to being these sacrificial lambs Mm -hmm. to help everyone else, because that's why we go into medicine, because we want to help people. But what we forget is that we have to help ourselves first.
2: Well, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Finally, I have one more question for you, Christine. Was there someone, a person or more than one person who encouraged you during this time and supported you?
1: Yeah. I mean, as a child, I was always my parents. They mm-hmm. always, you know, they came to this country um, and they just always wanted the best for their children. And so they pushed me and sometimes not in such a healthy way. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's a certain way that immigrant parents do it where it's like, we want the best for you, but you better do what we say, <laughs> mm-hmm. but they mean well. And then of course, um, my husband, I've, we've been together forever basically, and he's always really encouraged me, um, through the good and the bad. And now it's been my children. Actually, they love to, to celebrate any little success and, um, yeah, they are such big supporters and I really, really appreciate them. sounds like you've got several people that have really
2: had an impact. So that's, yes, wonderful. I am
1: very fortunate for that. Yes. Well,
2: Christine, this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with
1: me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Julie. It's been a pleasure.
0: Hi there, Women Docs. We hope you've been loving this podcast and feel uplifted at the end of each and every episode. If so, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star rating and write us a positive review. Those reviews help us get the word out and help uplift and empower more women doctors. But you know what? We'd love to meet up with you in person. So head on over to womeninwhitecoats.com and sign up to become a member of our supportive tribe. When you do, you'll be the first to hear about meetups in your area, as well as upcoming live events. You'll also get our latest blog articles and podcasts delivered straight to your inbox. And you'll be the first to find out about the next time we open up our virtual doctor's lounge an online membership community created just for women doctors, where each month we run masterclasses with guest experts and masterminds on topics relevant to women doctors. While you're on our website, womeninwhitecoats.com, order your copy of our number one best-selling book, *The Chronicles of Women in White Coats*. Oh, and be sure to follow us on social media too. On Instagram, you will find us at blog, And on Facebook, you can find us at Women in White Coats. Can't wait to meet up soon.